Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy podcast. I'm so excited you're back. And if you have not tuned in yet, welcome. I'm always so excited when new people find the podcast. You guys, on the show today, we have the incredible Dr. Josh Axe. I am sure you have seen his products in stores. He is a physician, a leadership expert, and entrepreneur, the co-founder of Ancient Nutrition. One of his companies is ranked number 35 in Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies. He's the best-selling author of Eat Dirt, Keto Diet, and Ancient Remedies. And on this podcast, Josh talks all about his process for overcoming limiting beliefs, which I love hearing about because he was not born the way that he is now a completely fierce entrepreneur who has built massive companies. He's also a leadership expert who shares how to surround yourself with the right people who are going to help you grow the strategies and systems to turn your vision into a reality. So let's get started. Thank you. 
Dr. Josh Axe. Thank you so much for coming on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I'm honored to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So this is so much fun because what people don't know is that I just got to be interviewed by you for your podcast. That's right. Which is, I feel like, thank you for going first because now you've set me up for an amazing interview because I got to learn so much about you throughout too because I love a podcast that is super conversational and I feel like we just got to have like the best hour-long conversation ever so great. I kind of, I get, I get the advantage. I feel like I have the advantage on this one. So I'm really, really excited to have you on. I feel like your name has been in my world for a really long time, because if you're in the health and fitness space, I think it's impossible to not know who you are. Uh, so for anybody listening, I'm just really excited to have kind of the original trailblazer of just health and wellness. And now you're really, really into what I, what I'm loving right now is that you're so into mindset. And obviously this is not something you just got into. This has probably paved your entire journey. So that's where I want to start. Josh is, you know, what is a limiting belief that you used to have, like that you grew up with, that you thought was who you were, that you had to change in order to become the Josh that's sitting with me right now? Yeah, well, my biggest limiting belief was I'm not smart. And I Mm. I had that because when I was a freshman in high school, I had a teacher tell me, she, she actually, I remember she said, hey, Josh, would you stay after class? This is freshman English. And I stayed after class and she said, hey, what do you want to do when you, you know, if she said, actually, if you graduate? And I said, well, I'd like to be a doctor. And the reason was, is my mom had battled cancer and I just Mm. saw the devastating effects of her just the year before, literally went through chemotherapy, overcame it. And I thought, I want to help, I want to help people get healthy. She literally laughed out loud and she goes, with your GPA already and and what you're getting in this class, she's like, you just got an F on this paper. You'll, you'll never get in. She said, you know, my, my daughter, you know, had a 3.8 GPA and she had a hard time getting into PT school, you know, and she said, "I, I would go ahead and consider doing a different career. And I just walked out of freshman English class. I just remember being really down. And then a couple of weeks later, my mom brought me to the doctor and, and, and they said, your son has ADHD. And so I thought, oh gosh, not only am I not smart, I'm medically not smart now. And so throughout mm-hmm. high school, I just never tried. I, I, I ended up having a C minus grade point average, barely graduating high school. And finally, I got to college. The only reason I got into the college, at least that I kind of wanted to go to, was because they had summer class and they had this thing where... If you get above a 3.0 in these summer classes, we'll let you in. And so mm. I went in there and I said, okay, I don't want to be the kid that doesn't go to college and, and, and whatever. And so I just said, I'm going to try. So I had freshman English of college. So I went, we had our first paper assignment. I wrote the paper and turned it in. And then a few days later, the teacher said, Mrs. Williams, she said, hey, would you stay after class, Josh? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, you know, this is going to be it again. I probably failed it. And she goes, Hey, I want to let you know you got the highest grade in the class. And she said, Hey, have you thought about being an English major and a writer? And I was, and I was like, No, <laughs> it never crossed my mind. But she said, Okay, well, you should. And that was it. And then I walked out and I, and I, I, I had what I'll kind of call this like a memory transplant where I had this memory mm. that was plaguing me in the story. I was telling myself that I'm not smart. I'm not smart. I'm not smart. And then I had this teacher tell me, you're a great writer. And I kind of saw that as, no, I am smart. I am capable. And I literally just said, okay, I'm done with that belief. I now have this new belief, this new memory. And I started believing that. And then I started thriving and doing great in school because of that. So literally just by changing the story I was telling myself, I went from 
you know, C minus, you know, barely graduating high school to eventually later on. And I only share this not to boast, but just to say, because I think that there's a lot of people that doubt themselves, but I've been able to start five multi-million dollar businesses. One that ancient nutrition grew over to be over a hundred million a year. Just do some things that today I can be really proud of because mm-hmm. I changed my story. Like I changed the things I was telling myself and created new beliefs. And so that's something that's really, I think, is so important for people to understand that there are all of these narratives we're telling ourselves constantly that are holding us back. And I think about what if, what if I would have had one person say this negative thing and I would have only believed that and I wouldn't have believed this, the truth, I, I probably wouldn't have started a supplement company or, 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 or DrAxe.com or a number of things if I would have continued to believe a lie. Mm. Okay. So you and I share that. That was a huge thing for me growing up was I am not smart enough. You know, I didn't graduate high school. So that was just something that was just over and over and over in my head. I'm not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. And the funny thing is that we didn't talk about on your podcast was I had one person when I got into the fitness industry, like one person who I kind of looked up to who said one sentence to me, she doesn't remember saying this, but it was, it was kind of like that. What did you call it? Transplant. I like got a memory, memory transplant. transplant. Yeah. And she made us do this exercise where we did this like stage walk for fitness and in, in front of her. And she had said in front of everyone, she was like, Oh, you're made for this has no clue. She said that, but it changed my entire life. I was like, I decided in that moment to take that memory and be like, no, you're made for this. Like you're going to be good at this. So it was that moment that I decided to cling to, but that leads me to this question for you. There are people who are so stuck in that initial memory still, like they're listening to this and they can grab it right away. They know exactly what that limiting belief is, but they don't feel like they've had this person who has come and given them that moment of memory transplant. Like, what do we do? Do you think it requires those people or can we transplant on our own? We can transplant on our own. And by the way, there's a Columbia psychologist and he, he, he wanted to do a self-study on this. And so he created something called the ABCDE method. I'm not going to get all the details, but he did this because he was so scared of approaching women. And so he was deathly afraid. He was in college and he thought, okay. So he took baby steps to, because uh, he thought he was going to be so rejected. He had this fear that, okay, mm-hmm. women think I'm weird. I'm bad at relationships, all of these things. And he said, okay, well, really one of the keys is, is to first identify that belief. Okay. So I believe I'm not smart. Okay. Mm. So that's the first step. The next step is going to be to say, okay, what should I believe? Okay. Well, I should believe that I am smart or talented in this area. Okay. Well, that's what I should believe, but your brain doesn't believe it. You've got to prove it to yourself in a way. That's the thing. And so those people out there that just say, I'm smart, I'm smart, I'm smart, I'm smart. Your brain doesn't believe you unless you get micro wins. If you start getting a little win at a time. And so What we need to start doing is saying, like for myself saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to do something to prove that I am. Like, by the way, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go back to yours. When I was interviewing you, you told me that you felt like you weren't a finisher, right? Yeah. But you went and said, okay, I'm going to do a three mile run and I am going to finish. So you not only said, okay, you you said, okay, the lie is that I'm not finishing. Mm -hmm. But then you said, I know I need to believe that I'm a finisher. But then neurologically, you need to prove it to yourself, even if it's just doing something incredibly small and facing that fear, facing that, that lie, whatever it is. And so that's really the, the, the thing that we need to do is, is, is if you believe you're not worthy, 
Well, well, one is you need to believe you are worthy, but how do you prove and believe that you're worthy? Well, let me just share like from a religious perspective and it, I, listen, everybody, I know there's probably a lot of people that a lot of different religious beliefs, but if somebody's listening, let's say your faith is as a Christian, well, you could go to the Bible where God says constantly, you are worthy. You are special. I know you to the very hair on your head. I know everything about you. I created you for a, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 for a plan and a purpose for your life. So that's just one example, but you need to go and write out and prove it to yourself in some way by going and doing certain things as well. So that's sort of, I mean, the, the way that I think we do. And by the way, we should think of these, these toxic memories as like diseased organs. I mean, they are things that you need to clean up or remove or to get rid of because they will sabotage us if we don't address them at some point. Hmm. So I, I love talking about limiting beliefs, but also the limiting beliefs of the people that you hang around. So can you tell me a little bit about how do we, if we're around the people who don't think it's possible, how does that affect us? Well, one, it affects you incredibly negatively. Listen, the, the, the truth is you are who you surround yourself with, right? And, and, and there's actually a law, it's called Dunbar's law, that you become like the five people you spend the most time with, but then also the 15 people and the 50 and the 150. So I was interviewing Dave Ramsey two weeks ago, and he shared a study with me on, uh, this is a really great long-term study. And he found that the 10 people you spend the most time with, that will become your average financial success. So if you hang so out with a lot of people that are worth $10, $10 million, that's the average, and you're most likely to be about that. That's where you'll end up financially in the future. So is it okay if my husband and I come to your house? <laughs> hey, yeah, let's, let's hang out. So, so, but anyway, so this, listen, so this principle is important for your financial mm -hmm. success, for your relationship success, for raising great kids, for your health and fitness. We become who we surround yourself with. So my mm -hmm. first answer is, this is going to sound terrible or maybe insensitive, I think, but get new friends. I, I really think that that's the, now I'll, I will have a secondary solution, but I think mm -hmm. the best solution is, you mentioned this too, but you, you want to crowd those people out. It's not like, listen, there are certain people that are going to be in your life no matter what. And so, but I do think what the way that I focus on this is I, I write down, here's an example. I write down who are the five people I need to spend the most time with. I have a mastermind group and I've coached a lot of people in business. And one of the things I have these business entrepreneurs do, I have them do this in a similar fashion. I say, write down the five people you spend the most time with. And now I want you to rank them on a scale of one to 10, the principle iron sharpens iron, okay? Mm -hmm. A 10 being, this person really sharpens you. They help you grow personally. They help you grow spiritually. They help you grow in business. You could even break it down into different areas, but write down zero to 10, those five people now. Okay, now write down five people that would be really iron sharpens iron for you. Who are those people you need to spend the most time with? Go and start pursuing relationships with those people more, spending as much time as possible. So I think that's the first goal is you wanna go and find those people, your tribe, and, and it can take time. When I came to this realization, it, it actually took me, I wanna say even a couple of years. I know that seems like a long time, but it actually took a couple Same. of years before I was like, Same. I've got my tribe, okay? Or <laughs> I've got the, 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 the beginnings of my tribe that's continued to grow over time. And so I think that's the first goal. Now, the second one is you are gonna have people, especially if it's family. I'm thinking about like, by the way, my dad probably won't listen to this one, but my dad can be super negative. And I love my dad. My dad's like an old military guy, like eats meat and potatoes every meal, you know, sort of thing. And so, and, and my dad is awesome, taught me discipline and justice and courage and a lot of great things. But my dad is a real pessimist. And so if you're getting around somebody who is, let's say negative or pessimistic, the goal is you're self-aware. Mm -hmm. You are aware 
of there's going to be negative energy. There's going to be this negative self-talk. And my goal, I turn into a sort of a challenge of this is a ministry, this relationship. This is a, this is a relationship of I am going to do everything I can to bless this person with my language, to add value to their life, to mm -hmm. help them see life in a new light. So if my dad starts complaining about the weather, <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to go there. Or I might say, you know what? You know, uh, on rainy days, here's something we like to do. You know, we like to do this. This is fun. You might try this. I think you and mom would love this. So anyways, I think just being able to go in there and, and be self-aware. I think there's a lot of people today that are not fully self-aware. And this is something that you mentioned during our interview, people that are some mystics, right? And when I look back at the mystics of whether it be, you know, uh, St. Francis of Assisi or, uh, you know, you mentioned someone like a Richard Rohr of today or someone else like that. These people tend to be incredibly self-aware and realizing that, you know what, I'm going to be around these negative situations. But if it's raining, there's a guy, Anthony Mello. Do you know who that is? He's, mm -hmm. I mean, he's one of my favorites. There's, there's, a, mm -hmm. there's a book I think everyone would love. The book is called Awareness. And it's just a, actually, it's like a two and a half hour lecture he did. But he talks about if it's raining and you're in a bad mood, it's, you're not in a bad mood because of the rain. You're in a bad mood because you're choosing to be in a bad mood. So I think that's a key to realizing you have a choice in all of this. And if you can be aware, that's something people that are really spiritual, have a really high level of spiritual growth. They're incredibly aware of, okay, there's negative over here, there's over here, and I'm going to influence all of these things in the most positive manner possible. So that's the way that I try and, you know, go into those types of situations and relationships. Oh man, so many good things there. I love almost like having your listing being intentional of who you want to spend time with, like your five people, if they're not in your life yet, like I literally was at that level where I was like, okay, well, they're doing what I want. So I would put their name down on paper, like, so that I would remember this is who I want to be in rooms with. So do they have an event coming up? Do they have a mastermind? Are they going to be somewhere? Like if those people, I even think just writing it down, like actually creates, like who knows what it does. It sends a message yeah. to God, universe, whatever, like getting intentional about who do you want to be around? And I find it crazy how within that year, somehow you will find yourself in a room with those people because it'll start to be your focus. If it's as simple as it's just yeah. going to be your focus. So it's just going to start to come into your realm and into your reality and into your point of reference because you're looking for it, right? We get what we're looking for. Can I tell you, I, I overdid this at one point. So, so I believe this actually early on. I had a mentor teach me this. And so okay. I wrote down people that were like, everyone was like a home run, big name personality. So I was moving to Nashville. So I put Dave Ramsey on my list early on of like, hey, here's one of the five people I want to spend time with. And I remember I went up to Dave. This is after he taught this as an entree leadership seminar. And I went up to him and I said, hey, Dave, I would really love and be honored if I could spend time with you, learn from you, be mentored by you. And he goes, Josh, I'm so honored you ask, but I don't have the time. And I thought, oh man, and, and I just, you know what? I realized at that time, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm trying to, you know, maybe I'm trying to go too big right now, mm -hmm. but I did find some amazing guys and women to hang out with and spend time with and grow with. But what's crazy is years later, and it becoming, you know, somewhat friends with Dave and hanging out with him, going to his house and anyway. So it's, um, sometimes it may, it may just take 10 years, you know? I love that you said this though, because that's, that's like how it works. I think in the beginning, because Right. In the beginning, I put like those home run people on there who I'm still maybe not friends with some of them. It's like I was trying to always reach up to the person on the stage or who was doing the big things. And yeah. I guess it's more of like 
if you even put them in your focus, you're going to start to go be in the rooms that they're even in. And even if they don't have time or, you know, the mentorship question can be a lot for some people, because a lot of these people don't have time. You're going to get in the rooms where you're going to meet the people who think like them, though. And then you can create friendships with the people who are in the like-minded room. And that's typically like, I was going for them, but I met these other people who are kind of at my same level, but think like them. So I like that you said that because it can actually be discouraging to people if we put these five down and they're not in our life because we put the home run people on. And really it's kind of getting in that energy and into that mindset and into their rooms, but to go meet the people who maybe are sort of at your level that you can connect with. So I love, love, love that you said that. Hey y'all, I'm so excited to share with you that this podcast, Earn Your Happy, is now a part of the Growth Day Podcast Network. Truly, this is like one of the most exciting things that has ever happened to me. I'm telling you, I no longer feel like I'm doing this alone and I actually get to collaborate with the people who host the podcast that I'm obsessed with, like that I have been listening to myself, who inspired me to start a podcast, who have taught me about how to go and do the thing, like the original people who got me motivated through listening to their podcasts. You guys, a bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and to support shows and brands that we believe in. And one of my friends are also on this network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to their show. You guys, I just had Danielle Canty on of the Boss Babe podcast. She co-hosts it with her other amazing co-host and one of my friends, Natalie Ellis. You guys, you can go check out that podcast on mine. It's episode 925 and Danielle and I talk all about burnout and how that could be showing up in your life and most importantly how to prevent it but i want to tell you if you have not gone and checked out the boss babe podcast yet go subscribe because it is one of the largest online communities for ambitious women and female entrepreneurs and i know that if you're listening to the show chances are that's probably you you guys they have 3.6 million followers and 380,000 subscribers the boss babe podcast is the place where they share real behind the scenes of building successful businesses achieving peak performance and learning how to balance it all most of all you guys truly these women are in my life danielle and natalie are people that i text on a weekly monthly basis when i'm like oh my gosh i feel stuck what should i do i tune into their podcast you guys to learn even though they're my friends i am still like crazy obsessed with this podcast because I learn something new every single time I listen. It makes me be a better podcaster. It makes me be a better businesswoman. It just makes me be better and more confident out in the world because they're so real and raw. And I can tell you that in the moments where I have had horrible days, down days, I've either gone and listened to this podcast or I've texted them because these are the people who truly get it. You want to listen to the people who are walking in the same footsteps that you are. You guys go check out the boss babe podcast you're not going to be sorry and it's just gonna like make you way smarter and you're gonna have way more fun so go check it out okay so talking about limiting beliefs because i know that you probably still have some limiting beliefs or old ones that like probably still come up 
So for you, yeah. you know, we look at we look at your trajectory, we look at your career. People are definitely like, oh, he's got it all together now. He did the things. Can you tell me some of the limiting beliefs that you saw come up over and over again for you as you were building your different companies? Because you just told us you weren't good with math and you just told us you had never built a company before. Like, what did that process of your mindset look like as you were growing your companies? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about one I had yesterday. I had somebody say something and I thought, no, that's a limiting belief. I can't, I can't <laughs> think that. That's going to sabotage, sabotage my success. And so mm -hmm. I had a limiting belief that when I got early in business, I got frustrated about something because I found it at one point, I thought it's really hard for people to change. Like it's really mm -hmm. difficult. I felt like I was trying to help. It was a point in my career where maybe I was trying to help some patients change and they just weren't changing. I'm like, I'm giving you all this advice. Like, all you have to do is follow it. And I promise you'll heal. I promise you'll get better. And they weren't changing. And then there were some like really difficult relationships. And I thought, gosh, this person is just unwilling to change and grow. And so I had this narrative in my head that it's really hard to get people to change. And then here's what that led to, though. I started then thinking, well, I'm not even going to bother saying anything right now. I'm just going to let this go. So then I actually stopped trying to help mm. people change in certain areas, not as much in the health, but in certain people in my business that I would hire or certain things like that. And so I was like, oh, that's not good because I'm smart enough to realize that if yeah, it's that it's that thing of like, okay, if I don't believe people can change, then mm. I won't try. And then I'm not gonna even try to help patients get healthy. I'm not gonna help try to improve the life of my friends or add value to people, whatever. And I said, well, what should I believe? Well, I need to believe that people can totally transform. They can become entirely new people. And so I started proving to myself to where I would read and, and go on and read about people that like reinvented themselves and changed themselves. And I thought about myself. I thought I went from being this kid who thought I wasn't smart and and, and having different issues in life to over here. So I realized, oh, wow, no, people can transform. And so that's one of those sort of limiting beliefs, I think that, listen, we all have them crop up constantly, but I think I always, I, I take it captive, I write it down, I write down, what do I need to believe? And then I write down sort of this, we, we talked about this a little bit, pain and pleasure. I wrote down, yeah. what if I keep believing this thing, what is gonna be the side effect? If I believe this negative okay. thing, What's the outcome going to be? And then I'll start writing down, okay, if I believe the truth, what will the outcome be? And then it's just obvious. It's like, wow, I realize that I'm going to put myself in a terrible position if I keep believing the lie. So had you learned that pretty early on, you know, with limiting beliefs? Had you learned how to overcome them pretty early on? You know what's crazy? No. Let, let me say this. I grew up in a home where I had really great parents and I was constantly exposed to the Bible. Mm. And so the take your thought captive thing, to me, that was, a, that was a biblical principle that somehow I started using in every area of life. And so I think there's wow. others like that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I thought, yeah, I got to change the way I think. Yeah, I, I got to start thinking differently. So for me, I, I, I just, being real honest, I think, you know, for me, just being so uh, reading the Bible and having it read to by my parents and just sort of being in that growing up, that sort of faith, I think I started taking all of these different pr biblical principles and just they sort of naturally came up when I got into difficult situations. Mm, so good. So let's talk about finding your purpose. 
because I think that there are so many people who aren't living in their purpose. They feel like they're never going to reach their purpose because of their limiting beliefs, or they don't even know where to start. There was definitely a point in my life where I'm like, why am I here? What am I even good at? Especially if we have the not smart enough thing. It's like, what in the heck am I even here for? So tell me a little bit about purpose. Yeah. So for me, and, and by the way, I, I feel like because I have a, a strong sense of purpose, by the way, there's a study that came out and this was really, I want to I say a little bit eye-opening, mm-hmm. but uh, the study found that 75% of people don't know their purpose. Okay. Mm, so wow. only, only 25% of people know their purpose. And if you think about it, I mean, purpose fuels so much of our life. Like for me, because I have a great sense of purpose, I feel energized. I think I work harder. I put more into relationships. I think life is more meaningful. So when I read that stat, like my heart hurt for some people because I know just how important, like how enriching that has been to my own life. And if I didn't have a sense of purpose, I think that would be that that would be challenging. And so, and by the way, I think there's multiple multiple purposes. I think as humanity, all of us together, we have a global purpose. Now I want to share what that is, what I believe it is. Now everyone else might believe it's something else and that's fine, but I believe we're all called to love God, love people and make earth a heavenly place. And so turn Mm -hmm. this entire planet into a garden of Eden, like paradise, a garden city and live for eternity. So that that's my belief. It's a very Christian worldview, but that's my belief in terms of what we're globally called to do. Along with and part of through that is discipleship, mentoring others. That's part of love there. So that's that's kind of that global purpose. Now, I believe we're all called to help out with an individual purpose as well. And so our individual purposes is going to be tied to our unique gifts and skills. What is that thing that God has uniquely designed you to do where you can really contribute and add value in a in a really, really special way? And I think when I go and Think about finding that and then also utilizing that. There's a few things that come to mind. And the first would be, what is that thing? Like, like I think when I found my purpose, I can, ju- I, I can just share personally it was, I found my first purpose when my mom was sick with cancer. I remember my mom being diagnosed with cancer. I remember her going through chemo. I remember her throwing up in a bucket. I remember her, mm. her I remember her, I was watching behind her. I still have this picture in my mind of her taking a comb combing her hair and then just hair, all her hair just coming out in the comb. And I remember seeing her just sob with that. And, you know, that just impacted me so much as a kid, seeing your mom go through that. I think I was in you know eighth grade at the time. Mm-hmm. And just, and there, there's these, a couple things that went through my head at the time. And one was, I never want to see anyone have to go through, through this again. Mm-hmm. And the other was, there has to be a better way. That was the other thing that was in my head. Is this really the best way to help somebody get healthy and overcome an illness? And so from that point on, I remember in high school, the next year I realized that I want to be healthy. So I didn't know anything about health, but I stopped drinking soda because I just knew that was bad. That's not the only thing I knew, but I stopped eating soda and eating candy bars and started sort of gradually moving towards this thing because there was this thing in my heart that like, this bothers me. This is not right in the world. Mm -hmm. This needs to be fixed. Like, and so I think if somebody can tap into and find that something like that, like this isn't right in the world. And by the way, for me right now, I still have that sense, but I also have a new sense of leadership. I started a new website. It's called leaders.com. I've got a new book coming out that's really focused on the, you know helping people grow to their maximum potential, overcome beliefs. So I'm kind of a little bit in a a shift of going from more in the health space to more in the you know helping people mm-hmm. grow space. And with that, like my the new thing is there needs to be better leaders. People, leaders that are more compassionate, leaders that are more virtuous, that are more loving. Like I look in the educational system today, there are so many 
teachers that lack wisdom. I mean, what they're teaching kids is all propaganda and not actually what they should be learning. Like mm -hmm. that bothers me. Like it bothers me that actually a lot of leaders in the church and religion are not outspoken about relevant issues that they should be talking about. Our government, do I need to say anything there? How much bad leadership there is? How many bad leaders there are in business that just kind of fall mm -hmm. to these sort of side agendas rather than doing what they're called to do with purpose? So I think that one of the first things, this is one of the keys and I'll hit on others, but one of the keys to leadership or, or one of the keys to finding your purpose is, is what is that thing where you know if you do that, it's gonna be meaningful, right? Mm -hmm. So you're doing something where you're really contributing. Maybe there's something that breaks your heart. You can help with that in some way. But I think that's one of the keys. If you can find something where it kind of like gets you excited and that you know you're helping, part of this is tied into passion. I think that's the first thing. Okay. So, so actually, let me first say, I think that's finding the need. What is something mm -hmm. that needs fixing? What's a problem that needs solving? And you're part of the solution. So that's number one. Number two is, are, can you be passionate about it? Is it something you're going to like? Is it something you're going to enjoy? I think that's an important part of your purpose that it's something, again, that you just at least don't hate. Okay. So yeah. I think that's important. I think that you're good at it. Mm hmm. That's really important. This is part of your unique gift and skill that you were designed to do. And the last one would be, now, by the way, it, it gives you a, a reward. Now, it might be treasures in heaven. It might be you need to make money so you're actually getting paid well for it, right? And, and I think that getting actually paid monetarily tends to be one of those important factors. So I would say those are the most important factors. If you're like, oh, what's my purpose? Write down what's something in society that that really you know, you'd like to be a part of helping remedy the situation, okay? What are you passionate about? What are you good at? And what can you get rewarded for financially? I think those are the, the, the keys to finding your purpose. And by the way, this is an ancient Japanese exercise called a kigi, oftentimes at least encompasses many of those ideas. Okay, I love this. It's such a great place to start. And I, I want to talk about how... Maybe can you share examples how sometimes in the beginning, maybe for you, like you don't necessarily get paid right away on what you're passionate yes. about. Yes. <laughs> let's let's chat about that. Like, because someone might be trying to put this all together and being like, well, here's what I love, but I don't see how I'm going to get paid for it. Should I quit my job and figure this out? Like, tell me about this like middle part where you're trying to figure it out. So this is something I was able to do. I launched a website many years ago. It was, it's called drx.com, just named just after my name. And so at first, I, I started off in a having a, a practice. It was more of a functional medicine practice. We did nutrition, chiropractic, physical therapy, cleanse, a number of things. And so I started off doing that. And that was a full that was a full time job. But mm -hmm. my passion was really educating. Like I loved teaching and educating people. And that was and, and I felt like that was going to be the greatest. Again, it filled all those boxes, but making money. Okay. Didn't make money to start at all. And so, but I, I said, I'm going to take four hours a week. And I actually read Tim Ferriss's book. Yeah, It, it totally. just came out. I read four hour work week and I thought, okay, I'm just going to start taking Saturday mornings or two hours twice a week. And I'm going to start doing a four hour work week on a side project of my purpose. This is part of my, my biggest purpose. And so what I did was I started taking off in my clinic from a Friday afternoons. Uh, and so I would go from one to five and I would say, okay, I'm going to write an article and film a video. Okay. And I did that. And so, and I, and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun for me. So in my downtime, I would sort of read and sort of prep for writing the article and videos and those sort of things. And then I would actually do it on, on those Fridays. And then after a couple of years, 
I went and I, 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 I was wondering, well, how much traffic am I getting? And it was like well over 100,000 people were coming a month. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I had people start coming in from other states. Like, I'm like, where are you in from? They're like from California. They're in Nashville. I'm like, well, why? They're like to see you. I'm like, well, how'd you find out about the clinic? Well, the website. So it was just sort of crazy to me. But all that being said, I think that, you know, it can start off as a small side project. By the way, your passion doesn't always have to be tied to your career. You might be passionate about doing something else, like helping kids in the inner city, you know, and, and that's something you're just doing four hours a week or two hours a week or whatever it is. And that's a big part of it as well. Now, I think it can be great if it can be tied to a future career. Let me share this as well. My clinic was early on. That was part of that purpose. I know that was part of my purpose and led to just this and another thing and another thing. But my clinic, I did not like, like if, if we took x-rays of somebody, like I did not really, I wasn't full of joy marking an x-ray or getting the business started and running to Costco to get, you know, some organic snacks for patient appreciation day or whatever it was. Like those are, I'm not an errands guy. Like that wasn't my favorite thing, but I, I was, I was driven by this good that I knew it was doing in the world. And I think that's the most important part of that purpose is you need to have a certainty of, I know this thing that I'm doing it matters. It's going to be really meaningful to somebody. So I think as much as you can tie a greater meaning to to things, and by the way, this is important for identity as well. I think your identity feeds your purpose. And so, by the way, this is a question you didn't ask me, but I'm just kind of going because I think it's- I, I love think this. this <laughs> yeah, this is important for me to learn is that if you want to live the most meaningful life possible, you need to have the most amount of meaning attached to your identity. And what your identity is, it's tied to, tends to be a person or a group in addition to your roles and your responsibilities. So for instance, Martin Luther King Jr., okay? When you think about his identity, who is he or who he thought he was? That's probably a better question, not who we think is, but who he thought he was. He would first and foremost say, I'm a child of God. He was the son of a pastor. And so he, he thought like he was an extension. I mean, he was, do, he was doing the will of God. So that was the first and foremost part of tied to his identity is sort of this, this group identity. His identity was tied to, to God. And then his identity was as a pastor, as a husband, as a father. And here's the thing. If somebody has a role, like let's say, for instance, my identity, let's say I believe, okay, part of my identity is tied to being a father or a dad. Okay. If what I believe a father is, is somebody that just, helps a woman conceive and then I just run off and I don't have any other responsibility, that's a very low level of meaning of what a father is. And so it's not going to enrich that person's life at all. That role isn't, and that's not going to strengthen their identity. Versus if a father believes, no, I'm called to provide for my family financially. I am the person that is literally saved, like the protector, the provider of this group of people. Wow, that's a that's a lot higher level of meaning. That's a that's a much stronger identity and role that you have now, and it means even a great that's a greater responsibility. But now take it at another level and say, okay, my role as a father is to create world-changing kids that do the greatest good in the world, and they're going to live for eternity, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids. So I'm going to be so conscious of showing my kids love and compassion, but teaching them discipline and how to be courageous and being the best dad possible and knowing that I need to show up as much as I can and keep my promises. And I know that my role as a father is eternally significant. Like, like if, if, I, if I know that in my heart of heart, like that creates such a level of, of meaning and creates such a strong identity in me. Like, wow, I'm a father. 
And, and I think that like a lot of moms are missing this today. Like, I, like if you're to me, like I watch my, my wife, Chelsea, and I'm like, wow, you're a mom. Like that is one of the most incredibly important jobs in the world. And so like, I think a lot of people devalue their roles and what they do instead of understanding, no, your role can have eternal significance. And when you tap into that identity for yourself, that fuels your purpose. Because my purpose as a father, my purpose as a husband, mm-hmm. my purpose as a business leader, it's just, it's like fuel, you know? And, and, and so anyways, I th- probably got a little bit off track here with some of your no. question, but I think understanding I the, what identity truly is, because I think people are really confused today. I think people think identity is all about the gender you just, you know, you, you think you're deciding and, and, and yeah, that is, it's an important part. And then we have this sort of identity hierarchy where it's like, well, what's the most important part of your identity? I could go for hours about this, but but it's uh, this is something I cover in my new book, by the way. Think this, not that. Really getting into your identity and purpose, and and a lot more. But it's uh, you know, yeah, I think it's important. Okay, you have me thinking a lot on identity because people right now, essentially everything you're saying, they get to decide. You get to decide your identity. That's right. Like. So what, what is coming first when we think about doing this? Because just the things that you were saying, I'm like, oh, well, I want to identify as this. And I, I was like, oh, I think one of the reasons that I have really great female relationships right now is I identify, I decided to be a good friend. And so every action that I take, Mm. I measure against, because I didn't even know what that meant, how to be a good friend, but I would ask myself, okay, what would a good friend do if I wanted to be friends with this, like better friends with this woman? And so it's like, I'm trying to explain to people, maybe you can help me pick that apart. What comes first, the choice of identifying or the action, or what is that? Like, do we just get to pick our labels of identity? Well, well, it depends. Okay. But, but here, here's, here's, I think a, 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 a question that should come first of all mm-hmm. is what identity or truth leads to the best Sorry, this is really, this can get really deep stuff, but I would say, so, so what leads to the best outcome? There's something called human mm-hmm. flourishing. And that's the idea of what truth, what, like, like one is there is a truth today. There's this idea that like, it's all subject, like, like, like it's all subjective. No, it's all objective. Like there is mm-hmm. one truth An apple is not an orange and orange is not an apple. There's one truth. And so the first thing you need to do is as a person is embrace, embrace the truth and be a pursuer of truth, not of ideology. Right. Mm-hmm. And so and so first, if somebody believes, well, I believe being a good friend is gossiping behind their back. Well, that's not true. And so you're not going to flourish and you're not going to thrive. There's this idea in the book of Genesis when we read the Bible is, is Adam and Eve were supposed to take the Garden of Eden and cause this garden to flourish and grow into something beautiful, not just in this little area of Mesopotamia, but over the entire world. But there's something deeper going on where God's like, I'm not only want the garden to flourish, I want humans to flourish mm-hmm. and flourish, flourish amongst each other. And that's part of what we've talked about some today. And even in your book, you cover that, you know, if you want to thrive in life, you got to get around other people that are flourishing and it will cause you to grow as well. You got to get in good soil. That's our environment. So kind of going back to this, I think the first thing is, is that recognizing when it comes to your identity is you want to believe the thing that's the truth. And what the truth is, is the thing that will lead to the greatest the greatest good in the world that will lead to the best Mm. life for every single person alive. So going back to this, all that being said, 
I think that when it comes to our identity, sometimes action may come first and then you realize it. But I think for, for, for a lot of people, your identity should be, be tied into what are the roles that I can thrive in that do the greatest good in the world, mm. okay? So give me an example of this. Like I, I, one of the first people I wrote about in the book is Michelangelo. And Michelangelo is amazing. I mean, you know, if you ever walked to the Sistine Chapel or looked at the Pieta or any of his, I mean, you're like, how did somebody possibly do this? And it's if you read some of his own, literally, yeah, he's mm -hmm. such a person of purpose. Mm -hmm. And there's a story where somebody went in and saw the Sistine Chapel and they went to one of those corners and they pointed up and they said, why did you spend so much time on the details in that corner? Almost nobody will ever see that. And he says, well, God will see. And, and, and I think there, you know, his identity of being an artist was really fueled by doing the greatest good. He thought like, I'm not painting for just to be painting. I'm painting to glorify God. I'm painting because the person that does see that will be inspired to do greater things in their life. And he was right. You know how many people were inspired as artists to go and take their game up to another level and another level and another level. So I think if you want to build a strong identity, you need to realize, okay, my, I, I have a role that is meaningful in the greatest way possible. And so like, for instance, my role as a father, like, like my role is tied to my responsibility. My responsibility is to create world changing kids that are more, more like, more like Christ, more like God, more like mother Teresa, more like Michelangelo, more like whatever. So I know the end goal is I'm creating kids that are high in two things. They're high in character and they're high in skill. I'm going to take their God-given gift and I'm going to take it as high as possible. I'm going to take their character. I'm going to take it high as possible. That's my responsibility as a father to help them in that. And then I know that's going to help the entire world flourish. And so going back to this, like for, your, for, for you, it's like, okay, you understand you're a friend. That's your role. My res your responsibility is to be the best friend possible. What does that look like? It probably looks like a couple of things. One, you're going to nurture and love and help your friends be an encourager. But you're also going to challenge them. If they're not doing the right thing, you're going, to, you're going to say, you know what? You're better than that. I know you're capable of more, right? It's a sort of nurture and challenge. So mm -hmm. I, I think it really is tied to what is your role? And then what are your responsibilities? And then knowing what the end goal is, I think is an important part of that. And so for you, you might think about, well, an end goal is, is like, you know, we're there for each other. We're iron sharpens iron. We're helping, you know, women as a whole become more successful. And we are, you know, uh, you know, we're helping people grow personally. And so you're kind of seeing, and you visualize, right? So what's the visualization of the end goal 25 years from now? What does life look like if you're, role and responsibilities are fulfilled. Mm. Okay. I love how layered this is because every single one, like they, they all play off each other and they're all super tied to each other. And you just mentioned visual visualization. I know that visualize You talk about visualization in your book, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tell me why is that so important to you? And like, what role do you think that actually plays in our life and who we are? Yeah. So I, I had a mentor. I, I was at, at a retreat. It was like a mastermind event. And this was, mm -hmm. this was when I was in school, a student mm -hmm. before I opened my clinic. And this is why I'm a big believer in masterminds and coaching and just relationships, getting around other people, because like my biggest life lesson is you become who you surround yourself with. And totally. so like I've in my career always invested in going, like doing those things because I look back over my life and I'm like, those things move the needle for me in my career and life more than anything. Same. And so I'm at this retreat and I had a mentor 
say to me, he said, hey, I want you to practice visualization and I'd never done it before. Well, you know, maybe I'd done it once, but I'd never done it for my business in certain areas. And so, and I, I'd never done it this in depth. And so he said, I want you to picture, you know, your greatest weakness or addiction or whatever it is, and now view it getting out of control. And, what, and, and, I, and I got to the point of actually tears, I thought, or are you never accomplishing any of your biggest goals in life? I remember actually crying and thinking, wow, like, I, like how bad would life be if I just wasted my entire life, all my gifts, all my skills, all the things God's called me to do, and I, and I just wasted it. And it really moved me emotionally. And I visualized the worst possible outcome of my life. And then he's like, visualize the best possible outcome of your life. It was just really encouraging. And by the way, when I visualize, I get incredibly detailed. And mm. so like, I remember visualizing like, okay, who do I want to marry? And so I remember, and th think about the situation, the environment. So one of the things, I, I always loved the water and my, my family always grew up water skiing. So I imagined being at this lake house, this specific like Norris Lake in, in East Tennessee and looking over and seeing my wife and she turned around, she had blonde hair, she was fit. And, and I just, you know, she smiled at me. I smiled, you know, I, she, I smiled back at her. We were making food together, like all the details. I saw, you know, a few little kids running around the house and us going and getting on the boat. And so I started visualizing and picturing all of these, like all the details. I wrote out all the details. And, and then, you know, I ended up marrying a woman who is very, Chelsea is very, very much like that. And I would pray, I said, God, would you send me a woman that is mentally stimulating physically breathtaking and spiritually on fire for you. And that helps me grow. Mm -hmm. And God sent me that. And then Chelsea and I started practicing this visualization process together. And I got to share this story because it was just so amazing. So we got married in this area of Florida called Seaside. It's 30. It's where the Truman show is, was filmed down in oh, the Panhandle okay. of Florida. So we got married down there. We did took, took like a mini honeymoon there. So the day after we got married, we rented these little bikes and started going around this neighborhood. And when we got back after riding bikes, I said, hey, would you want to do a vision board? And, and she said, yeah, that, that sounds fun. I said, OK, great. So we, we spent the next three days kind of doing this vision board. So one of the things we did is I, we said, hey, we would love to eventually have a vacation home here one day because we got engaged here. We got married here. We love the beach. It's awesome. And we're both water people. So so I got home and I started printing off pictures for our vision board. And I just went online, did a random. There was a neighborhood we liked. It was called Watercolor. And I looked up Watercolor Home, Florida. And I saw a picture of a home, never seen it before, took it, put it on the vision board. And then, you know, started then planning on, okay, well, how much is it going to take to buy this type of home? Okay, well, we're going to start saving this much of our check a month, start putting it away. Well, this was about, you know, about five years later, about five years later, we didn't have enough quite money yet, but I was with my father-in-law and we were riding bikes to this neighborhood again. A lot was for sale. And I said, Hey, I just have this idea, just running it by you. My father-in-law, Joel, I said, what if, I know we can't afford to buy a house right now here, but would you guys be interested in going in with us together? And they said, yes. And so we ended up buying this lot. It was a better lot than we could ever thought possible. Awesome lot. And we started building on it. And then I got home the next week and I'm looking at my vision board and I was like, man, there's something so familiar about that house. And I pulled up my phone and I took a picture of the lot and I realized the lot we bought was next door to the house that had been on my vision board that I oh never thought gosh. I'd ever seen for, for five years. And actually that lot, part of it was on the vision board. And there, listen, there are tens of thousands of homes down in this area. And so the, the power of visualization is to, to, to me, I mean, I've seen this happen over and over mm -hmm. and over again in my life. It's like, if you don't have a clear vision, it's like running a race and not knowing where the finish line is.
-hmm. You've got to have a clear picture of where is that finish line. And so I have a process. I call it visualization or realization. Now, Mm -hmm. I do want to say before I visualize, I prioritize because I want to make sure, okay, let's say I'm like, well, I want to drive a Lamborghini one day. Well, is that like, and by the way, I'm not saying anything negative about that. If somebody wants to drive a Lamborghini, that's fine. But for me, I thought, does that align with me making earth a more heavenly place and having this sort of family I want and faith and the number of things And I thought, well, that's really, that's not on my vision board. And it's fine if it's on someone else's. Listen, I wanted a, a nice house, right? So I'm not saying it's any more or less mm-hmm. virtuous, but I'm just saying that that just wasn't on my vision board, but I have prioritized pr- priorities. And so it's like faith, family, fitness, my finances and work, and then my free time. And so I have those areas. And so I, I, number one is I prioritize. And then I visualize it's exactly what I want. And then the third step is strategize. So what is the strategy? If I want to have this house, well, it's not, you know, I I don't plan on it just magically appearing. I know I'm going to do my research. Okay. It's going to cost a million dollars. Okay. Well, how much do we need to save a month for the next five years in order to put a down payment on that house in order to make that a reality? So then I strategize exactly the numbers, what we need to do to make this happen, the strategy. By the way, I do the same thing with everything. GrowingDrAx.com, at one point it was the number one natural health website. I wrote down exactly how many articles, the exact word length, where it would be this year and then next year and the next year. So very specific strategy. The fourth step, by the way, it's not really complicated sometimes. It's just, it just takes sometimes an hour or two. And a lot of times you can know the entire strategy. If you want to get healthy, walk 30 minutes a day. And then every other day, work out for 45 minutes and then eat this. Just write it down. Takes a couple hours. That's it. So that's the strategy part. The third is systematize, which is your habits and rituals. Okay. Let's say I want to have a great family life. And marriage is incredibly important to me. Well, I then will go and do research. It's like first principles thinking. What are the most crucial elements to a great marriage? And I did research on this and I found, okay, date nights. This is incredibly important for a great family life and a great marriage. Okay, date nights. What's another one for a great family life? Family dinners. Whoa, studies show that if you do seven or family meals, if you do seven family meals a week, that's optimum to creating the best family life possible. Okay, what else is important? Kids getting a really virtuous education. So making sure our kids and our teachers, they're really learning and growing as they should. Religious attendance on going to church or synagogue or something, some sort of having some something like that in your life. And so I went through and had like 10 things of these, you know, creating a really meaningful family traditions was on the list of science of things like that. And so I, and then, so then I put those in a schedule or that was the system of habit of, okay, I want a great marriage. Well, Thursday nights are date nights. Sundays we go to church and then we go to brunch afterwards and then we get a family meal in, right? We have family workouts on there. That's another one. So we had a list of all those things. And if you can go through the process of prioritization, visualization, strategy, and then prioritize then you're going to realize your hopes, your dreams, your goals, all those things are going to come true. So that's that's sort of like, I think visualization, it's not just, I think a lot of people just sort of just do the visualization part, but I really think the prioritize, the strategize, and the systematize are are equally as important. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. And it's, I, I think that's so good for people to hear because visualization, they know it works. They, you know, they hear that it works in sports. They hear that it works in all of these different yeah. places, but it's because they also have all of these other things in place. And I think that even the people who don't understand this part are doing this part without That's realizing what, exactly. they're doing it. 
So I'm like, oh, I've always had a vision board. We do one every single year. We do it in, you know, on New Year's Eve. It's what Chris and I have done for like the past 15 years. And what happens is you looking at it, I, I like tweak my month and my day and what I'm doing because I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I want that. I should do this. So I actually prefer now having this system that I just wrote down because I'm like, of course you just like figure out what is most important. Cause sometimes I just throw stuff on there that I'm like, yeah, I think I should put this up there where it's like, no, yeah, what do it, I yeah. really want this year and why? And does it really impact our larger purpose? And then strategize, strategizing and systematizing like genius. It's literally just a really incredible plan that keeps you excited because you're constantly thinking about it as well. I love, totally. love, love that. Okay. Your book has so many different things. I know that you have 12 different steps, 12 different mind shifts to overcome limiting beliefs. But when is your book out? Who else is this perfect for? Like, tell me all the details. Yeah. So the book comes out April 2nd. And, you know, the, the, what I walked you through there, that, that that's covered just a, a small portion of that in one mm -hmm. of the chapters of the book. But this is the book I'm the most proud of I've ever written. Mm -hmm. I think if people, if anybody who wants to find their purpose, break through limiting beliefs, wants to grow to, you know, become the best version of themselves. I think it's an, I, I think the book is really great for that. And the audio book, we have bonus interviews from some just unbelievable people, people like Dave Ramsey, John Deloney, Shade Zahri, Tim Tebow, a lot of people we'd recognize who are, who, who are, uh, are part of the book on the audio book there as well. But yeah, I think the book four is anybody that wants to experience a breakthrough in life, achieve their greatest level of success, whether that be in their family or their business or just their personal growth. Um, it's for, it's for those people. And it's in bookstores nationwide, amazon.com. The book's called think this, not that. So it helps people change the way they, you know, th you know, in order to think, to find the truth. And so anyways, I'm extremely excited about it. If you, if you can't, can't tell. So. Oh, I love, I love that. And you know, sometimes I think that's how it works is like, after you've done all the things you thought were going to bring you like the great life, which it did, right. It adds on to this, but you want to go back and you want to teach all of the things that you did to get to where you're at. And truly I, yes. Love having mentors and reading books of people whose life I would actually want in relationships. And you're absolutely one of those people. So you guys go and grab this book. And something that I like to do on this podcast is I am going to do a book giveaway. So I'm going to buy 10 books to the first people who share this story on Instagram. So make sure you tag Dr. Josh Axe, and I will personally send you a book for the first 10 people who do that and let him know what your biggest takeaway was from this podcast. So I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Lori. It was so much fun. Again, I had a, I had a blast interviewing you and uh, you're a great interviewer. The questions were amazing. And uh, thanks so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And you guys, we're so grateful for you. Thank you for tuning in. Definitely make sure you go tag him and let him know what your biggest takeaway was. And I will send you that book. And until next time, everyone, earn your happy. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. 
They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high performing people. It leads to longer term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust or monetize your audience when you get community right not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so 
you can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14 day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.